0: I, uh, as I was reflecting and getting prepared for this weekend, um, I was brought back to probably the most impactful moment that I've had as a priest now for four and a half years. Um, you may have heard me talk about this moment uh, a little bit, but um, it was, I want to say, September 5th or 6th. It was a week after Hurricane Ida hit. Hurricane Ida hit on August 29th, and we know our world kind of got turned upside down. Um, our lives haven't been the same since. Um, if you weren't affected as much, we still are experiencing some changes, some differences. But I remember a week after the storm, word had gotten out that we, we, the first week was just basically survival, as we all know. After that first week of surviving, making sure we can eat, making sure people had shelter, making sure we had the things we absolutely needed, it came time for Sunday. And as Father Bruce and I were talking, getting prepared for Sunday, we said, hey, we're going to celebrate one Mass at each church, one Mass here at 9 o'clock, and one Mass in Gaines at 9 o'clock. Now, I remember walking, waking up that morning, getting ready, walking into the church to unlock and to open up, thinking that we were going to have 20, 30, 40 people, 200 people were here. You may have been here. But it was, one, it was probably the most impactful moment, impactful sight that I've ever seen. We propped the doors open of the church. You can hear the generators humming, right, all around. It was kind of a background noise to our celebration of the Eucharist. We had can, more candles on the altar than I knew what to do with because I couldn't read otherwise, right? But we celebrated a mass in this church, in the dark, in the heat, because that's what we do as Catholics. We pray. The moment that sticks out from that morning, probably more than anything else, I walked in and I remember I was coming up here to to set everything up and to make sure we had everything we needed and to light the 400 candles we had on the altar, right? Like I came to do everything. And as I was walking up, I ran into one of our parishioners. I'm going to leave him anonymous for now. But as I walked up and I saw one of our parishioners, our eyes locked and he was glowing. A lot of people were excited because it was the first time we saw each other after the storm. It was kind of the first moment that we saw, hey, everybody's okay. Things might get back to normal. It was kind of a sign of hope of everybody coming together. It was really beautiful. But this one guy kind of stuck out the way he was looking. And I remember as I walked up and I saw him, I asked him the question that we all asked after the storm. How did you make out for the storm? Glowing smile. Tears in his eyes. We lost everything. The face did not equate the words that just came out of his mouth. We lost everything. He said, but we kept the most important things. We're all here, we're all safe. And we're ready to pray. Now, why do I pull out such a a daunting, drastic image that I'm sure every one of us have had a similar experience at some point? If you've lost, I'm sure you heard the words, don't worry, you got the most important stuff. Everybody's okay. As my mom would say, we can replace things, we can't replace people, right? But today in our first reading in particular... I think it gives us an explanation of how you can say the words, if someone could say the words after a storm that we lost everything and be glowing with joy. Jeremiah says to us, essentially, cursed is the man who trusts in human beings and blessed is the one who trust in the Lord. If we need to sum up the entirety of our first reading, because he uses this, these, these two plant analogies, right? If we want to sum up the entirety of the first reading, all we have to say is, cursed is the man who trusts in human beings. He's like the barren bush in the desert that is never going to bear fruit, is never going to have leaves. Because the things of the world are passing and breaking down and falling apart. Or being wiped out by 150 mile by winds. And he contrasts that with, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. He is like a tree that is planted next to rushing and flowing water. All the grace that is sufficient and necessary for, for the things of life, God provides. Not that we wouldn't experience hardship, not that we wouldn't experience loss, not that we wouldn't experience sickness or miscarriage or some other kind of struggle in our life. But all of the things that happen in life, if we plant ourselves and trust in the Lord first and foremost, he grants us the grace to endure. He grants us the grace to continue forward. St. Augustine uses a similar image. He says, kind of tweaking this, 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 uh, this tree imagery. He says, if we plant ourselves in the world, so often we can think of ourselves as planting ourselves in the world and trying to reach to God that like okay I have like father I've got all the busy stuff I've got six kids that I'm chasing and running around after I've got work we got sports we got clubs we got things I'm involved with I I I do shift work whatever it is there's so often we can think of ourselves being planted firmly in the world having a good foundation in the world and what happens we just want to try and reach God we're stretching as hard as we can to try and make sure that I can try and reach and touch heaven. And maybe if I reach high enough that by the time I die, God's going to grab my hand and pull me up. Now I don't know if by you, uh, that is the way I catch myself thinking all the time. That if I do all the things I'm supposed to, that this tree sooner or later is going to reach up and it's going to touch Jesus and Jesus is going to reach down back and when it's my time to die, we hold in hands and he's pulling me up. Right, but the other way of thinking about it that St. Augustine talks about he says flip the imagery flip the imagery I live in Jesus Christ I live in the things of God I live in his grace in his relationship where he calls me where he puts me and as I grow, I interact with the things of the world. It's a difference in starting point that means everything. Because often we think of our destination as a place. We think of where we're called to as a place. We want to get to heaven as a place. Heaven before it is a place. If you want your, your, your phrase for today, heaven before it ever is a place, it's a person. Heaven before it is ever a place is a perfect. St. Thomas Aquinas calls it the beatific vision. That when we get to heaven, we see God face to face for all eternity. That heaven is being in the presence of a person. And if we can live in the presence of that person here on earth, the things of the world, whether it be a storm, whether it be sickness, whether it be a job loss, it doesn't shake us because our foundation is in Jesus Christ first. This is what Jeremiah today in our first reading is talking about. And the reason why I want to make sure that we understand this paradigm, that we understand this place, is because quite honestly, this week... I've had to convince myself and continue to go back to it and continue to let the Lord tell me that things are going to be okay as long as you stay with me. Why? On Tuesday morning at 5 a.m. noon in Rome, it was announced that Bishop Fob, who's been our bishop now for eight years, the only bishop I've ever known as a priest, the only bishop that Father Bruce has ever known as a priest, that Bishop Fob is moving to the Archdiocese of Louisville, Kentucky. So, while that for some people we're like, oh yeah, bishops move all the time. That just happens. Um, I can tell you this from just to share my heart a little bit with you. Um, I've, I've, res- I've come to really respect the man. I've come to really love the man and i've been very very inspired every step of my my time as a priest and every meeting i've had with him in these last 5 years that i see the way he leads and while it completely contrasts we completely contrast each other in personality i've learned more from him than i can honestly say i've learned from anybody else if we think about if we think back to the last 8 years in our diocese just things that have happened We've had multiple storms, but Hurricane Ida obviously is the big one. The last two years, we've been under the boot of COVID that we, for some reason, can't shake, right? In 2018, we had the release of names of credibly accused priests for sexual abuse. And I know that affected a lot of people, especially in our area. But walking through these storms, walking through these struggles, walking through all of this... The steady hand, from my eyes at least, from my perspective, has been the compassionate yet firm leadership that our bishop has walked with. On the day when he was announced, he was in Louisville at a press conference and when he talked about the people of Homo Thibodeau, he had to recompose himself multiple times. If you haven't seen the video, If you go click on the live stream on YouTube, you go about 20 minutes in, it's right there. But the second that he started talking about Homo Thibodeau, he had to do it through tears. He had to do it as he was catching his breath. Because in a real way, we as a diocese are losing a father. And as priests, it's still unsettled and we feel a little bit orphaned. But this week, as I've been praying, the same thing I continue to go back to as I pray through the anger of why this has to happen, as I pray through the tears of I'm going to miss him, as I pray through the excitement and happiness for him. I continue to go back to, am I being a, a tree that is planted out in a desert, that I'm trusting in things of men, that I'm angry at the cardinals that made the decision, that I'm kind of angry at the pope because you're really messing with us right now, or am I trusting in the grace of the Holy Spirit? Am I trusting in the way in which God is working? Am I trusting that he, whether I believe it possible or not, and bring about his grace and make it abound today. I bring us to that point because Bishop Fahb had asked that at Masses this weekend we play a message from him for the faithful. So I think it's very important for us to hear his words as well as we, say, as we prepare now in this time of transition to say goodbye to our shepherd.
1: My dear people of God in the Diocese of Homo peace be with you. Tuesday, February 8th, 2022, at 12 noon in Rome, our Holy Father, Pope Francis, named me the fifth Archbishop of the Archdiocese of Louisville. This news of my new appointment came as a surprise to me, as I would imagine it is for many of you. However, I would like to express my gratitude and my support to Pope Francis, who has called me to undertake the ministry of Archbishop in the Archdiocese of Louisville. I am humbled by this appointment, and as I have served you, the good people of our Diocese of Homo Thibodeau, I pledge to serve the needs of the people in the Archdiocese of Louisville. I want to thank you, the people of the Diocese of Homatibedo, to all the priests, permanent deacons, men and women religious, seminarians, and all the people of God here in our diocese, I express my most sincere gratitude for our life together here in South Louisiana. I love the people of this diocese. Homatibedo has become my home. You have become my family. I'm deeply grateful for the love, the support, and the kindness that you have shown to me during my service here in the diocese of Homer Thibodeau. As soon as I heard the news, my heart was flooded with emotion and with questions. I would imagine that you too have questions. So allow me a few moments to answer a few of the more obvious questions. To begin with, what is my timeline for transition? My installation as Archbishop of the Archdiocese of Louisville is scheduled for Wednesday, March thirtieth, 2022. In the coming weeks, our communications office will share more information about the installation. Next, who will be the next Bishop of Homer Thibodeau? The Holy Father has already begun the process necessary for eventually naming the next bishop of the Diocese of Homo However, please know that this is a process. The process of assessment and discernment is an intentional and Holy Spirit-led process. Who the next bishop will be here in Homo At this moment, it is unknown as is the exact date of when we will find out. Finally, what will we do until a new bishop is named in Homo Canon law requires each diocese to have a group of priests known as the College of Consultors. These are priests of the diocese who represent the needs of the faithful, as well as serve as a very important consultative body to the bishop. The College of Consultors will gather and prayerfully elect one of the priests of this diocese to serve as temporary administrator of the diocese until a new bishop is named. As I begin preparations in making the Archdiocese of Louisville my new home, I do so confident that as the Lord led me here to Homo he is leading me to Louisville now. As you listen to the news of my transition, I would encourage you to bring everything that is in your heart to the Lord. That is certainly what I am doing. I invite you to consider praying with me the following quote from St. Augustine. As we prepare to depart from one another, let us not depart from the Lord. My dear friends in Homo Thibodeau, as we prepare to depart from one another, let us not depart from the Lord. At this point in the history of this wonderful diocese, let us renew our trust in the Lord and again pledge to serve him, by serving one another. In God, we place our hope and trust, and we can be confident that God will never leave us to endure anything alone. I celebrate these final weeks of my ministry here with you, and I pledge my prayers for all of you in the Diocese of Homo as I ask your kind prayers for me. May God's peace be with you.
0: I'm gonna ask, as, as your pastor, I'm gonna ask as, hopefully, someone who's been, um, been guiding us the last few years well, um, that over the next, March 30th is whenever the transition is gonna actually happen and take effect. Um, things are already in place. But in a particular way, um, in three weeks' time, we're gonna be entering into Lent. And every one of us at Lent wanna take up something to pray, something to fast, some kind of almsgiving, right? Like, that's the move of Lent, That what you've given up. In a particular way, I'm going to ask that as we get, go through this time of transition, that you would offer up one of your penances, whatever it may be, if it's chocolate, if it's chips, if it's soda, whatever it is, you, you make your decision. But I'm going to ask that you offer up one of your penances in Lent for three petitions in particular. The first petition is for Arch, now Archbishop Fotton. Um, archbishop fob sounds weird um, but he's going to be moving to a diocese that's a lot different than ours Um, homo thibodeau encompasses two and a half civil parishes he's moving to a place in louisville that encompasses 24 counties the entire middle part of the state of state of kentucky He's moving from a, a, a diocese that has 39 church parishes to a diocese that has 114. He's moving from a, a, from a diocese that has somewhere in the range of 15 schools, I didn't look it up, to, but it's 15 or 16 schools, to a diocese that has over 40. And from a place that has one small university in Nichols to a place that has three universities that are twice that size, at least. So my first prayer petition for you is to echo what he just asked, is that uh, we pray intentionally for him as he moves into this new assignment, because Louisville is going to have its own set of warts, it's going to have its own issues, it's going to have its own struggles, the same that we did and still do, but in particular that he can bring the same presence that he did from here to there. The second group that I would ask, the second petition that I would ask it's to pray for your priest. Like I said, when, when we lose a bishop, as Father Jay, father Jay Baker said it in a, in a uh, press conference that our diocese held, that when we lose a bishop, for priest in particular, it's like losing a dad. It's like losing our father. It's like losing the head of the house that's kind of guiding the whole ship. And in a particular way, over these last eight years, there has been a ton that has been done for the presbyterate of our diocese. There's a unity now in our diocese that did not exist a decade ago. Not to this level and not the same kind of camaraderie and true friendship and relationship that takes place. Um, for example, Father Bruce and I, while we're both newly ordained, um, we don't see ourselves as roommates, we don't see ourselves as coworkers, I don't see myself as his boss and him as my subordinate. We see each other as brothers. That's how the priesthood is. It's meant to be a, a, a relationship of brotherhood, a fraternal relationship. And with our shepherd leaving, someone who's kind of helped to usher in a lot of this grace, um, in a particular way, we don't want to see that unity of the priest disintegrate. So your second petition that I would ask of is that you pray for your priest. And the final one... As Bishop alluded to, there's going to be a group of seven priests that are from our diocese that are going to be electing what's called a diocesan administrator, and this person, while he's not the bishop, is going to basically sit in the big chair and make the final decisions. Kind of like my first year when I was here, I was the administrator of the parish instead of the pastor. Um, He's going to basically be able to sit in the big chair and make the decisions, and there's a group of priests, a college of consultors that are going to kind of help him and help guide him, and be his checks and balances. With that person, whoever it is that gets elected to that position, they have to be 35 years and older, so it won't be me. Yes. Um, but whoever it is that's sitting in that chair is going to have a lot that they're still walking into. Because right now, our diocese, we're probably 25% down the road of recovery when it comes to our schools, our parishes, our churches, and everything else. So we have a lot with Hurricane. That person is probably going to oversee the hiring of a new superintendent for our diocese and possibly going to oversee the hiring of a head of Catholic Charities for our diocese. To say the least, that person has a lot that they're taking on in that role. So my, my request is that you would pray for Archbishop Fob, for your priest in general, And in a particular way, whoever that diocesan administrator will be. We'll probably find that out in April, just to give you a timeline. The final thing that I'm going to say, that's kind of like housekeeping. um, The final thing I'm going to say, if you hear anybody, I can say this with 100% certainty, if you hear anybody say that so-and-so will be the next bishop, they're full of poo-poo. Okay? All of them. Because that, that, is a, that is an 8 to 9 to 10 to 12 month process of who may be the new bishop. So this, this time of transition is going to be for the long haul for now. So I ask that we continue to pray. We continue to listen to God's voice. We continue, as I was saying, as Jeremiah talks about, putting our faith first in the Lord. Put, planting ourselves first in the Lord.
1: And not letting the things of men be the things we overly focus on.